Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us today. A little later in the show, we're going to have a really interesting conversation about a new study that suggests that white people are the ones who create a lot of pollution in this country through industries that they own, through things that they buy from those industries. But they are not the people who live in the communities that are affected by that pollution. It's people of color who live in those communities. And if you think about it, if you think about our community here in Southeast Michigan, we can point to some examples of that. Think of the incinerator. Uh, think of Southwest Detroit. We're going to talk with Nick Schreck of the U of D Mercy Law Clinic and Kimberly hill Knott, who's an environmental policy activist and president and CEO of Future Insight Consulting, about this dynamic, where it comes from, and what we should be thinking about when it comes to changing that that dynamic. How do we make it uh, sort of more equitable in terms of the way that pollution affects different communities, but also how do we get more of the pollution out of the air in the first place? So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation. I think it will be very interesting. It'll get started at about half past the hour. But first, the Trump administration has never thought fondly of or advocated on behalf of the Affordable Care Act. In fact, uh, Donald Trump, like many Republicans, ran assailing the idea of the health reform that was passed about a decade ago. But a recent court filing took the administration into brand new space on this law. And now the administration is saying that the ACA should be struck down completely. That's right, gotten rid of. And this marks just a bit of a reversal. The president has said before that he likes the ACA's protections for pre-existing conditions. He likes that young adults can get health coverage through their parents. And he likes the idea of selling insurance plans across state lines. So what gives? What explains this sudden turnaround on policy in this court filing? Is it an about-faced, a genuine reconsideration of the facts by the Trump administration? Or is something else going on? Is this some sort of political manipulation to try to get maybe Democrats to respond in a certain way, to get the president's conservative supporters fired up in a certain way? What is going on? Now, there are a lot of people who believe maybe this is a real mistake, a real error on the part, on the part of the Trump administration, and that it is handing this issue, health care, which cuts very strongly in favor of Democrats, or at least it did in the 2018 elections, it's sort of handing them this political issue in, in advance of the 2020 presidential campaign. It's giving them something to run against and run for as Democratic candidates, preserving the ACA. We, of course, want to hear what you think. What's your reaction to the Trump administration's renewed effort to scrap the entire ACA? How would that affect you personally or your loved ones? Are you somebody who really benefits from the changes in health policy that were affected by the ACA? And you may be worried that if they get rid of it, those protections might go away. Are there portions of the ACA that you would like to see changed or done away with? Are there things that just really aren't working for you and your family? And call and tell us which ones and why. And do you think it's time, nine years later, to pass something even bigger? You have a lot of Democrats now saying we ought to adopt Medicare for all or some other type of universal health care system. Why should we do that? 
or why not? And is it all too soon, given the newness still of the ACA? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk about this sudden change or apparent sudden change in Trump administration policy is Julie Rovner. She's an expert on health policy issues and the chief Washington correspondent with Kaiser Health News. Julie, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So where did this come from, this filing, this court filing? It it, it did catch a a number of people by surprise. It is a slightly different and in some ways maybe significantly different approach to the issue than we've seen from the Trump administration before. What, what, do we, what do we attribute that to? Well, there was a court deadline. That's where it actually came from. Um, this was a lawsuit that was filed uh, in early 2018 by a number of Republican attorneys general and a couple of governors. Um, they wanted to the, remember Congress in 2017, the Republican Congress could not find the votes to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act, but they did pass a tax bill. And in that tax bill, they reduced the the tax penalty for not having insurance to zero. So the mandate actually stayed, but there was no penalty for not having insurance. What the Republican attorneys general said a couple of months later is that that one single change made the whole rest of the law unconstitutional because back in 2012, when the Supreme Court upheld the Affordable Care Act, um, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, who wrote the decision, said that it was a tax. Well, now they took the tax away. So their argument was that no tax, no law. Now, most legal scholars, including a lot of legal scholars who do not like the Affordable Care Act, said that this was not a very uh, good lawsuit. But they kind of handpicked a judge in Texas uh, and he ruled uh, late last year in December that the Republican attorneys general were right and that the entire law should be struck down. So the administration had actually taken a position back last summer, and they said that they didn't agree with the Republican attorneys general, but they also didn't uh, weren't going to defend the law in total that perhaps with the elimination of the tax, only some provisions should fall. Remember, the AC is a huge law. And the administration said maybe the provisions that are most intimately connected to that tax, which included things like requiring insurers to sell the people to pre-existing conditions and not charge them more, maybe those should fall. So flash forward to last week, there was a deadline for, um, for people to file in the appeal of this lawsuit. And the administration uh, suddenly changed its position. They said, well, now we agree with the lower court judge. The whole law should fall. And that was what caught everybody off guard. The timing was required by the court. But the fact that they changed their position was a big shock. Yeah. Um, So at this point, nine years after the ACA went into effect, talk about what it would look like if we just said, we're going to get rid of that and go back to what was going on before. We've had segments on this show before. We've had experts come in here and say that just is not even a realistic option. Is 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 that still true? Yes, that is still true. It would be, I mean, the, the word that most of the analysts I talk to use is chaos. It would throw the entire health system into chaos. We're not just talking about the people who buy their insurance through the Affordable Care Act or the people who get expanded Medicaid, or the young adults who are allowed to stay on their parents' health plans. Basically, 
almost the Affordable Care Act touched almost every piece of the healthcare system. There were there are all these uh, payment systems that private insurers put in under authority that was granted by the Affordable Care Act. There are calorie counts on fast food menus. Uh, there are generic copies of expensive biologic drugs. All of these things were done because they were granted permission uh, and or ordered to do things under the Affordable Care Act. It would be virtually impossible to roll that back, but you could end up with a health system that basically couldn't couldn't bill and couldn't and a government that couldn't pay um, and insurers who couldn't pay. I mean, you would just bring the entire financial backbone of the health system to a screeching halt, at least temporarily. Congress and the administration would have to basically redo all these authorities and redo all these payment regulations. It would really be a mess. So, so given that, what do you think explains the Trump administration walking into the middle of that kind of chaos and suggesting that it take place. What's what's the play here? I think, I mean, from everything we've, you know, we've seen, this really came from the president himself. Um, it, it, it appears to be over the objections of his attorney general and the secretary of health and human services. Uh, I think he knows that health care is an issue that riles up his base. Um, he's, you know, he's been campaigning on it pretty much since he started. He keeps saying he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. I suppose there's a possibility that he would like to see it struck down, which would force Democrats to negotiate on something different. Although, boy, there could be a lot of big mess, uh, in between. Uh, you know, remember, you know, someone was asking, well, if the court struck it down, sort of would it go out gradually? And like, that's not how this works. If the court says it's unconstitutional, the entire law goes away. Hmm. Uh, my guest is Julie Rovner. She's an expert on health policy issues and the chief Washington correspondent with Kaiser Health News. We're talking about the Trump administration's change on its stance about the Affordable Care Act. It has previously said that it doesn't like the overall health reform, but uh, would like to preserve some elements of it. Now, in a new court filing, the Trump administration is saying we've got to scrap the whole thing. We've got to get rid of the ACA and start over with another kind of health reform. Form. Uh, if you want to call and join the conversation, uh, tell us what your reaction is to that news. Tell us how it would affect you personally or your loved ones. Talk about the ways in which the ACA has changed how you interact with health insurance and health policy. Uh, also, tell us if you think there are things about the ACA you would like to see changed. Uh, are there parts of it that aren't working for you and your family that you'd like to see Congress and the president dive into and make it a little better? Uh, also, tell us if you think this is the time to be thinking of something this large. It's just nine years after the Affordable Care Act took effect. Should we be shaking up the system quite this much? Uh, Donald Trump is not the only person suggesting that. There are a lot of Democrats right now talking about instituting a Medicare for all or other type of universal health care system. Uh, is this the time to even be thinking about those things? As always, the number on the phones is 313 577 that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. John on Facebook says, I'd like to see Medicare, Medicaid, and Obamacare merged into one system. This plan is what would be offered to all federal employees, especially politicians. There could be additional benefits that come with out-of-pocket contributions. Personally, I'm not interested in funding health care for society that doesn't live healthy. Uh, Chris on Facebook says, get ready for the Republican feel-good song of the summer. Only the poor 
die young. Maggie on Facebook says, 45 wants to get rid of the ACA when we, the taxpayers, pay for his and Congress's health care. If they can have health care, we can too. Aaron on Facebook says, this is a losing issue for Republicans. They've got nothing. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Scott in Westland. Scott, what's on your mind? Uh, hi. Hey. Um, I uh, supported the ACA, and I voted for Obama twice. My objection to the uh, ACA was the lack of a public option. So I would support uh, the – if you're going to have this individual mandate where people are required to buy health insurance – uh, you should have a default Medicaid buy-in, a mm. default Medicaid buy-in. That basically means that if you did absolutely nothing, you would be enrolled in Medicare uh, and you would owe premiums, but the only collection action that would be taken would be that it would, the premiums would be deducted from your tax return and unpaid premiums would be added to your deductible. Mm. So basically, if you're an irresponsible person who doesn't care if you have health insurance and you got in a catastrophic you know, medical situation... You just you discover that you know uh, when you got to the hospital that you had health insurance, but you, you just had to, if you had a five hundred dollars in unpaid premiums, well you'd have to pay that you know before you know right. your insurance would kick in. And then again, people forget that uh, people who are on Medicare now have to pay premiums. There's a deductible of like one hundred ninety-two dollars, and um, uh, it only pays for about seventy percent you know of the medical bill anyway. But again. That's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a really interesting set of suggestions, Scott. I'm glad you called uh, and made those. Uh, Julie Rovner, the public option seems to come up more and more, I want to say. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. We, we've lost Julie. Uh, we're we're going to get her back on the line and ask her to respond to what uh, what Scott said uh, there about the public option. Uh, what I was saying, though, is that the public option seems to come up more and more frequently uh, as we debate health care. I hear people on this show and in other places talking about why don't we have a public option. Scott says that the public option we should have would be kind of a default uh, enrollment in in Medicare. Uh, Julie Rovner, we've got you back now. Uh, Hi, sorry. That's okay. Re- react to that. Uh, the idea of this public option coming back and maybe looking like something like Medicare for an expanded Medicare uh, uh, program. Well, of course, there was a public option in the bill that the House passed mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. 2009, and there were 60 Democratic votes in the Senate when the Senate was considering it that, that December, um, but they couldn't get all 60 Democrats to vote for a public option. Um, uh, Joe Lieberman is sort of best remembered for you know saying he wouldn't vote for the bill if it had a public option, but, but there were a couple of other senators who, even if Lieberman had come on board, might also not have voted for the bill. So they ended up having to drop the public option in order to get get the Affordable Care Act through. But, you know, while we're sort of all focused on the Republicans trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, the Democrats in the House, who they've just taken control again for the first time since the Affordable Care Act passed, um, are looking at ways to to beef up the Affordable Care Act. They've seen the things that aren't working. Um, uh, Not having a public option is one of those in their view. So there are a lot of proposals to add a public option. There are also a lot of proposals to increase subsidies so that people right now there's a cutoff if you earn more than $100,000 as a family of four, you get zero help. And there's some thought about maybe extending that a little further up the income ladder because a lot of people just, right at that cutoff level and a little above still can't afford insurance. 
Um, there's something called the family glitch, where if you're offered insurance at work for you but not for your family, um, it's only calculated whether you can't afford it uh, for your cost, not for your family's cost. So there are a number of families that can't, even though they're under the income threshold, still can't get help, even though they have to buy their own insurance. Um, people want to sort of clear that up. So there are a lot of proposals of, of ways to sort of beef up the Affordable Care Act in addition to proposals to get rid of it entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Scott, really appreciate the call and the ideas there. Uh, let's go to Macala in Ann Arbor. Hello. Hello. Go ahead. Yes. What's on your mind? Okay, I'm not sure where to begin and where I left off. I was speaking with, was I speaking with you? Uh, no, you were talking with one of the producers. Okay. So I think the ACA is tremendously flawed. Um, I'm currently on the marketplace. I'm paying, I have a very high deductible. Mm-hmm. I don't use um, medical care services because I'm paying out of pocket between 500 and $600 a month. My deductible is thousands. Um, I also think that uh, incrementalism in terms of reform, it does not work. We've been there since 1992 when the Clintons uh, attempted to uh, reform health care. Um, so I think it's time for, it's a, you know, radical changes need to occur. And I support the Medicare for All hmm. uh, program that Sanders is uh, proponing. Um so, so let's, uh, McCullough, let's go back 10 years and revisit the time when we were debating the Affordable Care Act. Did you think that it was something that would make things better for you and, and also address what your health care was like before the ACA passed? Well, I had private insurance at that point. Um, so, you know, I was still paying a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, with respect to the ACA, did you pay? I did, did, did you pay more before? Well, my employer matched it. So right, I, right now I'm paying um, as an individual. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm paying much more right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you believe that the ACA would 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 help make things better back then? I think it had. I think it had that potential. But as I said, I think um, you know there needs to be a lot more regulation. Hmm. Um, like I don't think it's okay for an, an ER to charge sixty dollars for an ibuprofen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's okay that someone goes to an ER after getting bitten by uh, you know a cat in Florida and incurs ten thousand plus uh, in medical bills because the uh, provider that treated this person was not in her network. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, McCullough, I appreciate the call and, and the insights there. Julie Robiner, uh, go ahead and respond to what, what she's saying there. We we hear a lot of that, too. People who feel like the Affordable Care Act is not terribly affordable if you don't have private insurance through your employer. Well, actually, the, the one with the Florida case, that was a Kaiser Health News, a joint Kaiser Health News NPR story. Mm-hmm. Um, she got charged $48,000, mostly for the rabies shot. Mm-hmm. She was indeed bitten by a cat. Um, and it was covered by insurance, and yet she was still charged that much. We're doing this monthly um, uh, uh, series about people who, are, these are people who are insured, who are being asked to pay these, you know, 
outrageous and unaffordable kinds of bills. So, I mean, the caller's exactly right. They're, the Affordable Care Act was supposed to be a first step. Uh, it has helped a lot of people, but there are a lot of things that it did not do. I think no one really expected that there would be, you know, six and $7,000 deductibles for these uh, for these policies, but the insurance industry says, well, if you expect us to cover sick people and you expect us to cover all these benefits, we're going to have to have a really high deductible or we'll go broke. Hmm. Um, and, and that's definitely a problem and something that people are looking at. Um, but, you know, I think it was interesting that the caller hearkened all the way back to the, the Clinton health care plan, because that was one that didn't pass because it tried to do too much. Right. And I think when they, you know, flash forward to 2009, they said, well, let's try not to disrupt the care of the people who are satisfied and just fix the problem. So it was a little bit more than incremental, but a whole lot less than a complete makeover of the healthcare system. You know, when will there be the political will for a complete makeover? I don't know, but we certainly don't have it now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, Makala, thanks very much for sharing uh, your story and uh, your thoughts about this. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. Yeah, good morning. Go ahead, You know what? My my take on this, thank God I work for the public schools and I've got, you know, private insurance that's, you know, paying for my health care. And it's not, it's minuscule compared to what I've been hearing. I heard this somebody say this that like once you give somebody you can't take it away hmm. and the situation with the people who are getting are benefiting from the Affordable Care Act they didn't know the difference well, some of them they didn't know the difference between the ACA and Obamacare hmm. and you know and, and the way I look at it is too in terms of number 45 he despises President Obama and every and anything that President Obama you know enacted okay what did he do well, he's he, going back and and getting rid of him is that's not just true with health care time you're right that's that's true across the board but julie robiner talk about that kind of political calculus here both in terms of the popularity of the aca itself but also this idea that if you give people something it's really hard to take it away there are not Many, if any, instances I can think of in American history where a a program that extended a benefit to citizens is then later yanked away. Well, the only sort of really good analogy was the Medicare Catastrophic Coverage Act in the in the late 1980s, mm-hmm. but that was taken away really before it took effect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very few people have been able to use it. That was a big shock because you're right that it almost never happens that you know you give something and then take it away. Although I will say, in that tax bill, they took away you know so, uh, deductions that a lot of people use for property taxes and and state and local income taxes, sure. and we're seeing that you know we're seeing some backlash to that. So there is it. It can happen, but this this is a law. This health law is now so intertwined with the rest of the healthcare system that it is just it is hard to imagine what the impact on the healthcare system would be if you took it away. Much less the you know twenty million people who've gotten coverage because of it. I mean, it's possible that that the earlier caller from Ann Arbor who had employer insurance and now buys her own, if she had a pre-existing condition, she might not have been able to buy her own insurance, even though she paying more than she can afford, um, but she might not have been able to buy insurance at all on the individual market if not for the Affordable Care Act. Hmm. Okay, Julie Rovner, expert on health policy issues and chief Washington correspondent with Kaiser Health News. We really, really enjoy your work here on NPR, and it was great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks, you too. 
Up next, we're going to talk about the inequality that's baked into air pollution in America and right here in Detroit. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of the show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today.